Um, hello and welcome to Pod Save the King, episode 2 of our history uh, category of our podcast. So um, we'd just like to thank listeners uh, and the, you know, the wide range of support we received from our last three episodes published. Um, you know, we could have never imagined that we'd reach, you know, 209 downloads of our podcast. It's more than we could have ever imagined. Um, so we'd firstly like to thank, you know, the four continents that, that, are, that are listening to us at the moment. We'd like to thank listeners from the UK, the USA... Germany, Switzerland, Australia, Brazil, and I'm sure I'm, I hope we're not missing any. But if we are, then I'm, you know we we hope that we you know we've, we've done you well, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, so we'll give you a brief summary of today's episode. So we'd like you to enjoy our discussion of how modern day Christmas came to be, as we discuss Prince Albert and the Victorian impact on the festive season, the Christmas truce in World War One between Germany and the Allies on the Western Front, and the gifted Christmas tree each year that uh, Norway gift to England um, for their support in World War Two. So, um, Annie Ellison, would you like to would you like to start? Yeah, sure. So, our Christmas as we know it now, um, I think probably we can link it back, certainly, a modern type of Christmas, if we can put it like that. To Victorian times, and I think I believe it was uh, Prince Albert, Queen Victoria's husband, that brought the tradition or started the tradition of a Christmas tree. He did, yeah. Um, and did he bring what? Did he bring them from Germany? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. he brought them from his home in Germany, um, and he brought nine Christmas trees over for Buckingham Palace, one for each of the nine children of him and Queen Victoria. Um, and I believe they were decorated with candles and... And sweets. Sweets and, I think, orange skins, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I think it's crazy how... And it shows the impact of, like, the royal family, even from, you know, what, more than 100 years ago on today, and how the tradition that Prince Albert has brought over has, you know, impacted our modern-day Christmas. And it, and it remains. It remains exactly, very, yeah. very part and front and centre in most homes is the Christmas tree. Definitely. If you don't do anything else, then people tend to signify it Christmas by the tree. Yeah. Big, small, real or artificial, don't they? And there's lots of other things that um, came about at that time, and I believe Christmas crackers and gifting yeah. became more towards the Christmas part of the Christmas period rather than at New Year. Yeah, yeah, because before, obviously, this kind of Victorian idea of Christmas came about, gift-giving was fairly common, but it was centred more around, you know, the New Year. So the, I think the fact it was brought through to Christmas and that has kind of stuck even to today, the yeah. gift-giving, is other than the Christmas tree, the main kind of symbol of the Christmas period. I think that, that shows how big of an impact Prince Albert did have. Absolutely. And... The gift giving, I think, in some ways, has overtaken that tradition towards religion as well and what oh, it yeah, was all about. Um, but uh, we'll save that for another time. So, just thinking about the food, and um, we have spoken about this in the previous cast about traditional traditions, food traditions associated with Christmas. Yeah. 
So, um, for example, obviously, I'm sure the main part of everybody's Christmas table is the, the turkey taking place in the centre. Um, and that also did originate from the Victorian era. Um, poorer families would tend to use cheaper birds, such as, like, uh, ducks and other similar similar things. But the turkey for most Christmas tables, mm. w- what was, you know, yeah. the, the bird to eat? Yeah. Um, would I, like to... I, I would suggest um, that Christmas dinner is the most important meal in the year. I could agree with that, yeah. 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 It really is. Because everybody will know this from all the countless adverts that we see about how to make your Christmas easier. Or, But I think also it signifies a time for feasting. Feasting in its wider sense that you consume more calories than you do for the rest of the year. Because all the adverts that you see are these tables absolutely laid up with food that feed the whole of the streets, not just one family. Um, But we were thinking about the historical context of Christmas and and what was happening around the time of um, Victoria. Of course, it was an incredibly productive time because of the Industrial Revolution, Empress of India, the empire was expanding... We, Britannia really did rule the waves at that time. Absolutely, didn't it? yeah. And I suppose, whilst you know Christmas is a happy time, especially in Victorian England, we can link it to you know terrible conditions in the factories, terrible conditions for many people working in the colonies. And I suppose, especially mainly for people in Britain, Christmas kind of every 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 terrible and awful thought and pain that you know they'd go through day to day was kind of put to one side and they focused on Christmas families gathered rich and poor they made the best out of the situation and we were speaking earlier about how that links to Charles Dickens novel A Christmas Carol Um, would you like to speak a bit about that? Yeah so I think we can safely say that Charles Dickens was drawing on his uh, not necessarily his experience but certainly his observation of society at that time and it was uh, a society of the haves and the have-nots and some people would argue that that's still true today but I think the have-nots in them days really were the have-nots and I think he was drawing on a bit of social um, history and context about you know the poor really were poor and the rich were really rich And we were just having a look earlier on. So Christmas Carol was published on the 19th of December, 1843. Very timely, published it in December. Um, And in just a year later, and maybe because of Charles Dickens, we don't know, um, there was um, a Further Factories Act in 1844 that brought in more health and safety measures in factories. Do you think Charles Dickens had such a impact on society he certainly was promoting yeah i think the the novel of a christmas carol obviously it would be sold and richer people would buy it wouldn't they and you know the the kind of ultimatum that it gave the main character scrooge you know change your ways or you will live in a life of sin and ultimately be punished with the worst punishment religion has to offer hell. hell i think when when you know, the more capitalistic side of society actually read that. They thought I, they, they could compare themselves to what Scrooge was doing. 
hang on a minute, I'm also doing that. I'm also treating people in this way. Maybe it's wrong for me to do it. So I think in that way, it probably did, even though we have no evidence to suggest that it did. We can only kind of think about it. Yeah, exactly. We can only... We can only acknowledge that that could have had an impact and it is likely to have had an impact because it raises awareness. And the same way in modern day, you know, social media posts, you know, influence what legislation is passed in current government. Charles Dickens' novels probably really did. And I think it's interesting, A Christmas Carol, because he does draw upon personal experiences. I studied A Christmas Carol for my English literature GCSE. And Charles Dickens was from a poor family. Was he? Yeah. So his dad were was they lived in a debtors' prison. They were very ah. poor. His first job, his well, his first proper job, he was twelve, and he, for a shoe polish company. And the fumes of the shoe polish, he, he hated it. it. Was his worst ever job. So Charles Dickens writing, and it was very rare for. You know, people to climb out of the social bracket. Absolutely, it was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. So for Charles Dickens to do that and then stick to what you know, stick to his idea of making things better for the poor, really, really is interesting, especially from a modern perspective. And for Charles Dickens as well, it's important to remember. Obviously, this was over a hundred years ago, so he wasn't a socialist. He didn't want equality. He called upon benevolent capitalism. So for people that don't know of benevolent capitalism, it's, you know, the rich giving things to the poor, helping them. Rather than making it equal, he wanted... All he asked for was for the rich to just give a little bit more to charity. Which isn't unreasonable, but obviously, to a very, very capitalistic society in the Victorian era, you can imagine how that went down with a few business owners. Yeah, that's very interesting, that, because... I hadn't realised that his beginnings were so humble. I guess at the time that he was writing it, as you quite rightly say, he was drawing on his own personal experience, yeah. even though he was probably quite accomplished and comfortable at the time of writing. Yeah. Um, but it makes me wonder, doesn't it, that um, I think there probably was at that time beginning to be an awareness of the imbalance in society and it and the fact that rich people were being, the consciences were being pricked yeah. to act differently. And also, no, at that time, religion was so much stronger than it is now. Definitely, yeah. I'd be putting my hand in my pocket if I thought I was going to hell. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and maybe not all purely for benevolent reasons, yeah. but for purely selfish reasons oh, as yeah. well. Um, and, yeah, A Christmas Carol is a really interesting topic, and it links really well to the Christmas in the Victorian era, not only just because of, you know, the things that Charles, Dick- uh, Charles Dickens raised awareness of, yeah. you know, for the poor and stuff, but also because, for example... Like the characters in the novel A Christmas Carol, and it was made into a film by Disney, it's available on Disney Plus. It really kind of the characters truly represent the stages of society. So, obviously, Scrooge will represents you know the capitalist mm-hmm. 5% that owned most of yeah. the wealth. And look after yourself, it's your own responsibility. Was... Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, now, there's a character called Fred, which is Scrooge's nephew, mm-hmm. and he represents this kind of middle, yes. well-off part of society, but not necessarily very rich, but obviously much better off than the people yeah. at the bottom. And then, um, if you're aware of the novel, the Cratchit family, they represent, you know, the very, very bottom of society, the lowest of the law. 
Not quite. Well, no, because there is the vagrant class, I suppose. Yeah. But And those in debtors' prison. Because yeah. at least he was working, wasn't he? Yeah, he was working yeah. and he had, yeah. he had a job. But, you know, the the, they did represent the yeah, working yeah. class. Yeah, very and then, much so. L- like we say, the vagrant class, obviously mm. these were, you know, th- th- thieves, you know, um, should, should I say... Unemployed? Unemployed. Women that worked uh, out on the night, should you call it. Um, when they had no other alternative, they had to put food in the children's mouths. Because there wasn't any national assistance at that time, was no, there? not at all. Um, so if you turn hard times through no fault of your own, it was tough luck. Yeah, and I mean... Matt's... So a famous quote, um, Scrooge says, um, are there no prisons, are yes. there no workhouses? And then the charity collectors say, well, some people would rather die than, you know, use them, them things. And then Scrooge replies, one of the most famous, if Absolutely. not the most famous, well, if they would rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Yeah. Now, that's awful. Well, yeah. And it's even more awful because I myself come from a working class background. I mean, 100 years ago, I would be in the same position as the Cratchit family. I would probably be cleaning out machinery and sweeping chimneys it's it's awful because and scrooge's opinions on the port at that time rep, which really do represent yeah, what people absolutely. thought you know the fact that you couldn't feed yourself meant that you was a strain on society it's it's quite unbelievable from our 21st century mind to to comprehend that that vision um now you know completely moving on i mean we, we, you know we have got to cut it short but we would like to talk about the um we would like to talk about the World War One Christmas truce. So, we touched on Christmas adverts um, in our Podsafe Society, which is available at, at the time this will be uploaded. So, please do go and check that out. But so, the the, the World War One Christmas truce. Um, now, if you don't know what the World War One Christmas truce is, um, a really good kind of way to visualise it: Sainsbury's in two thousand and fourteen released a Christmas advert which. What was surrounding the World War One Christmas truce were Germans and like the German soldiers and British and French soldiers unofficially kind of truced and came out of the trenches. They exchanged names, photos, souvenirs, food, and it ended with arguably the most famous image of the Christmas truce with a friendly game of football on the Western Front. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think for me personally, this is one of the saddest moments in history. Just for me personally, there are many more ad- events that are equal, if not worse, I'm saying that. But just for me personally, it it really touches my emotion because in such terrible, terrible conditions, in terrible, terrible circumstances, these poor men on both sides are being forced to fight each other and then Christmas comes along and they have this unofficial truce I suppose that shows the power of Christmas doesn't it oh definitely but it's so sad that it's very difficult to put into words but it just seems the most saddest moment ever that people so easily can come together and be together and be friendly with each other. And there was also exchange of prisoners going on at this during this period of truce. 
And then they had the game of football. And then when the Christmas day was over, they went back to fighting each other. And to me, that is so, so sad. And we were just having a look into it a bit in a bit more depth. And following that, it, that occurred in 1914, the unofficial truces were declined significantly because they were really frowned upon by the commanding officers. Yeah. They were probably frightened of... Um, yeah. People saying that's it, I'm off. And yeah, and and well. the article that we read, the commanders actually by two uh, by 1916 they banned troopsing. Yeah. Um, so by 2016's Christmas, uh, 2000 sorry, 1916's Christmas, they were unable to truce. They wasn't allowed, even if they wanted to. And I find that really sad. The ordinary men, yeah, you know, people my age. I mean, I'm 16 yeah. now. People my age forced to kill people that they didn't want want to kill kill. it was kill or be killed yeah um and it's just awful and i think the fact that they could stop it for christmas just shows that they could have stopped and the war like they like they said many times the war could have been over for christmas if the if the men in power would have allowed it i mean it, it is really sad like you say yeah i think i think you'd spoken before about was it general haig i might have got the name wrong General Haig, yeah. He sent troops over the top into no man's land to yeah. be mowed down. Yeah, to be massacred, it was. And then when there was a... What I understood was... Uh, this, this For context, this was 1960 in the Battle of the Somme, so it's not related to the Christmas truce, but it will come into it. Yeah. So my understanding was there was a big offensive by the Allies and yeah. they bombed the enemy, in inverted commas, uh, for about three days and thought, right, yeah. that's it. They're all gone. They're all dead. We'll go over the top. And actually, they'd they'd made barricades, hadn't they? Yeah, underground concrete yeah. bunkers. So as the Allied soldiers went over the top, they were just mowed down. Yeah. Now, you would hope that any commanding officer or general would have thought, that has not worked, so we'll do something different. But he didn't. No, he didn't. And he's just said more and more and more. And I suppose there are parallels to that yeah. in Russia. Did you see just recently there's um there's a hotline being set up for oh, Russian really? soldiers that want to um t- to defect. I don't think that's quite the right word but I'm thinking of, but want to surrender. Right, okay. Yeah. So it, it's terrible that people are forced into these situations. Definitely, yeah. By above. Yeah. Um which you know if you'd like to know more about the Battle of the Somme, you can find it on you know our website. We speak about it in Pod Save History episode one um, when we speak about you know remembrance and war. Um, so unfortunately, we can't talk too much into the Christmas truce because we do have to move on. Um, and we're now going to talk about Norway's gift of the Christmas tree to Britain for Britain's support of them in World War Two. So do you want to start on that, Annie Olsen? Yeah, certainly. So this came about because I think Norway was one of the neutral countries in the Second World War. I will look that up afterwards, but I'm pretty certain it was. Um, And I think the Allies, and particularly Britain, provided a lot of support in the Second World War. And the king was exiled because of the threat of Nazi Germany. And he was... um, He had a place of safety in Britain. And resulting from that, since that time, 
uh, Norway is gifted a Christmas tree every year that stands in Trafalgar Square. Yeah, and I find that really interesting because so the the tree gifted it's 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 quite difficult to actually transport and fairly expensive to transport and the fact that you know Britain's work in World War Two is still recognised this day yeah. year on year yeah a real you know testament yeah. to the men and women that worked in World War Two to secure our safety yeah um, and the fact that Norway's never forgot that exactly yeah and. And, I mean, I'm sure many of them generations will yeah. be long gone now. Oh, absolutely. And it, yeah, it's a real testament to the people of yeah. Britain. Um, I think there are other examples, actually, just thinking about it. I think Malta, um, I think they received a lot of support um, in the Second World War from the Allies, in particular Britain. And I think, because I think Britons are always really welcomed in Malta yeah. for, for the support. And I'm sure there's other examples that we're not even aware of, but... It is a quite a symbolic... Yeah, definitely. In the same way that Britain is, you know, one of the leading countries in assisting Ukraine during the war. Yeah. I mean, we've always... Obviously, in, in some cases, we have had a very dark past, but in many more cases, we've had a very welcoming past, a past where we do help many people, and I think that's a, that's a forgotten part of British history. Many people, I'm sure, focus on kind of the negatives and the, yes. the atrocities that we may, our ancestors may have committed. But in fact, it's important to remember that we weren't the, the villains all of the time. We was very welcoming. We was very good and assisting other countries. Yeah, and I think you raise a really important point there because you have to see history in its context. So things that was acceptable when I was a child are no longer accepted and if we go back in history, whether it was right or whether it was wrong, it was legal at that time. Yeah. So, yes, we did do things wrong. And certainly, when you look back, you can see it through a very single lens. Yeah. Where it's... Because we're applying our principles today... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...to principles... That are so different yeah. in the past. And by all means, we're not suggesting that we should, you know, look back on Britain's history through rose-tinted no. spectacles. But then we, what we're saying is, don't look at Britain's history through a magnifying glass that makes it look like hell. Do you know what I mean? We, yeah. I think it, as historians, it's our job to have a balanced opinion, no matter which country or which person we're analysing. We've got to analyse both sides of a story. Yeah. And the Christmas tree gift from Norway just proves... That we're not we're not all bad, no. And and I think uh, the Christmas Carol. I think, um, I think one thing it does show is that every single person has an impact on so many different lives. So now that Scrooge changes his his ways and becomes more benevolent, yeah, he has a positive impact on Tiny Tim, doesn't he? Because he does. Tiny Tim think, lives and thrives. I think the the book describes Scrooge as a second father to Tiny yeah, Tim. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, but it just shows that you know, we as well as historical figures having an impact, we have an impact. We can every single person has an impact. Anything that we do day to day can change the course of history, whether that's positive or negative. So it's important that we spread the message. You know. 
if you are if you truly believe in something that is right and just go for it make it heard make that impact be known because you could be the next historical figure that you know two people in 100 years are talking about on a podcast you know what i mean and it, it's and, very important and even if you're not you in your life come in contact with so many people that you can have a positive impact, a leave a positive footprint without actually having done anything fantastic in your life or what society would describe as being fantastic. But just by having human contact with each other, you can have a really positive impact. And on that note, we wish you a Merry Christmas from our family to yours. Um, We hope you've enjoyed this podcast today. And... um, We'd like to let you know that you can email us with any opinions you have on the topics we've discussed today at podsavetheking22 at gmail.com. You can message us on Instagram at pod.save.ling. Um, if you would like to go to our website, you can visit us at https uh, forward slash forward slash podsavetheking.buzzsprout.com. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and many more. So, your favourite podcast app, you can listen to us on any of them. Um, So, that's a goodbye from me. And it's a very happy Christmas from me and all the best for 2023. See you in the new year.